Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Guess what book of the Bible we're in today? Romans, but not for long. So let's open up to Romans. Uh, Very likely the last page of Romans in the text of your scripture. So we're in Romans 16, 25, 26, and 27 today. And if you happen to miss last week and you look in your copy of the scripture and you see that there's no verse 24, then you may want to get the podcast because <clears throat> we talked about that. So uh, today's class, we're going to do what we've been doing for quite a while. we we'll read the text, explain the text, apply the text, personalize, and then do some table prayer time. Today's class is a little different, though, because the reading the text is only three verses today. Because we put a green check mark in Paul's closing. Uh, we finished up that section. We spent five weeks there finish that up last week, and then uh, today we start the Righteousness Summarized, and then we'll do a summary of the whole book next week, and then we'll be done with Romans. And then I get to tell you what we're going to do in 2018, because I'm excited about that too. So, does it start with an E? No, it does not start with an E. Sorry, now you're making me go into the whole year. No, nothing starts with an E. <clears throat> well, it might in Greek, but I don't think it does in English, so I'll leave it at that. Or it could in Hebrew. There we go. Good stuff. All right, so uh, Paul does his closing prayer today. Uh, it's called the doxology. We'll read verses uh, 25 through 27. Uh, and many of you have heard doxologies over and over and over. They tend to be the things that are... Uh, shared on Facebook because they sound beautiful, they sound very poetic, and they are. They're uh, very beautiful prayers and uh, celebratory times of praise. So let's look at uh, Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now there is another doxology in Romans, so we're going to flip back and read that one today. Let's go to Romans eleven thirty-three through 36. Romans 11, 
If you don't have a copy of the scripture, there should be two on the table in front of you. One that looks like uh, this, that's just paper, and then one that is an actual book. So Romans eleven thirty three through 36. And tell me if you feel like the emotional tone is similar here as what I just read in Romans 16. Romans eleven uh, thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see the the similar emotional feel there. You see the the same kind of a theme of how amazing is God, how amazing is God. We can't really understand everything, but he does disclose things. There's uh, some uh, two hints about him, and then there's the glory, and then he finishes with the amen. It's very typical of a doxology, specifically a doxology of Paul's. Uh, And I would encourage you to read these. You'll uh, those of you who have been at Stuart Heights a while know that I like to close our services with uh, collective reading of Scripture. And every once in a while, I happen to pick the same translation that I tell the audience to pick up. Um, <clears throat> how many of y'all were here that week that I read out of the ESV and everybody else was in the New King James? It was great the first half of the verse. And then the second half, it was like two roads diverged in the yellow wood. And none of us were on the same page. It was, it was quite bad. But, but doxologies tend to be those texts that are read at the end of a service because it is a glory to God, bring together really simple thematic elements, and then they almost always end in the scripture with an amen, which makes us as 21st century believers feel like we're done. Uh, when it really means more than that. Thank you for that. That was awesome. That took me a while to get. I didn't, it took me a second. Uh, and it means more than that, but that's, that's what we kind of view it as. So if you've got your handout, uh, page 105 of your handout, we will start there. All right, so uh, let's talk about what these words mean. So verse 25, now to him who is able, this is dynamite. Uh, it's very similar to dunamis, but not the exact same thing. Uh, your first blank there is to be of power. So this is, you, you have the ability, the strength to actually do something. Uh, this is not somebody who is feeble to the point where they cannot perform something. This is somebody who is capable. This is capability, ability all wrapped up in this. So this is somebody who is able to strengthen or to set fast. Uh, your blank here is to steadfastly set. S-E-T, set. Um, and, and some of you have experienced the beauty of this very recently because you have gone for Christmas pictures, either with your children or your grandchildren or family pictures, and they're generally in a large enough group is someone who needs to be steadfastly set. <laughs> you familiar with this? Yes? Has anybody experienced this recently? Yeah, Darla's saying yes. Yes. So... Was it an animal or a person or what? Both. Both? Yeah. <laughs> it was everybody. It was everybody to be steadfast. So who was the person that steadfastly sat and said, you will stand still and you will look at the camera and you will smile? Everybody's pointing at you, Darla. No. Just for the record. It wasn't you? Was it Doug? Clayton. Clayton was. Oh, there you go. Son number one. Thing number one. Excellent. He's in charge. That's, that's, a good, that's a good thing. So this is the idea that God is... Able, he has the power 
to set things to where they'll stay. Which makes sense, right? I mean, he spoke the universe into existence, and the planets are still doing exactly what he told them to do. Which, I feel like he established a really good solid pattern of his ability to do this a very long time ago in the first chapter of the book. And so Paul is bringing us back to this obvious ability that God has. So now to him who is able or has the power to strengthen or to steadfastly set you according to my gospel, my good message. And this word is shown up over and over and over, Evangelion, in the book of Romans. And the preaching and the proclamation of who? Of me, right? Of Paul. Is that what he says? No, it's the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation. Now, uh, I'll give you your blank, and then I'll tell you what I think about every time I hear the word revelation. So the blank is revealed. And what I think about every time I hear the word revelation is Superman. Because who is Superman? He's Clark Kent, right? Well, who is Clark Kent? He's Superman, right? They're the same person. But Clark walks around with a coat and tie on, and every once in a while, when need be, he pulls that back and he reveals who he really is. And who he really is is Superman. The Clark Kent is the persona, which is backward from a lot of superheroes. A lot of superheroes, they really are the person they were born as, and they become the superhero. He really was a superhero to start, and he reveals that from time to time. And I I like that because I I really think it's a better fit for who Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ always was God and he revealed himself, actually he concealed himself in flesh, the enfleshment of Jesus Christ when he came. And what does Paul do? Paul says this is who he really is. It's the unveiling, the revealing of who he is. Now, the Greek word is apocalypsis, which sounds like what? Apocalypse, because it's because this particular word is associated with what Jesus does at the end of all things, and at the end of all things, things get really, really bad. So the the association between the revealing and the things getting bad is very high, especially in the latter parts of the New Testament. So, according to the revelation, the revealing of the mystery that was kept secret. So, what was the mystery that was kept secret? open book. Look at the text. From ages long past, what was kept secret? Jesus. Yes. Who is the Messiah? It is Jesus, the revelation of the mystery. He is the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, the chronos, long time, but now has been disclosed or rendered apparent, a very similar word to the revelation. And through, what do you think the Greek word is there? Dia, D-I-A, dia. And through the prophetic writings, and this is what's beautiful, right? (coughs) Skip, I think you said the the prophetic writings just a second ago, right? This is what Paul uses. He uses the Old Testament to illustrate who Jesus really is which we want to use the New Testament to illustrate who Jesus really is. And Paul says, actually, it's present there too, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We have an incredibly consistent God all the way through the old, during the new, and then post-new, and then when all things become new again, 
um, or all things become new, he'll be consistent there as well. So through the prophetic writings, this is all the Old Testament, has been made known or declared or made to understand to all what, Josh? All the ethnos, all the Gentiles, all the nations, according to the command or the commandment of the eternal, the forever, the everlasting, the perpetual, the eternal God. See, Paul is trying to convince us here that God's plan from before time began to after time ends was the same. And it was always through the revealing of this mystery of Jesus Christ and the preaching of Jesus Christ and the ability of God to strengthen us according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ that his plans would be made known to us. And you look at it and you go, well, that's a lot. Yes, it is. It really is. To think that the one who created the universe had a plan for us to be included in before he spoke the first words that were ever spoken. It's a bit overwhelming. I get it. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that he waits until this point to start bringing this up because he, he beat us to death. Remember when he beat us to death with wrath for those weeks and weeks and weeks? Like week five of this, I didn't want to come to Sunday school. And I was teaching. <clears throat> I, I told Julie, I was like, I just... I'm tired of wrath. I want to get out of wrath. And then Jesus shows up and we see this saving right, but now saving righteousness is here. And he's drawing us back and saying this revealing of Jesus Christ, this gospel message is a beautiful thing. And it's been the command of the eternal God to bring about the what? The obedience of faith, the attentive Hearkening, the compliance, the submission, the obedience of faith. This Greek word pistis that we've seen over and over. About 40 times or so it's used in Romans. To the only, the monos, wise God. Because remember, the, Paul's writing to a city of Rome. And Rome had a few gods. Rome had a lot of gods. They built temples and massive structures to these gods. And Paul here undercuts them all. And he says, there's only one that's wise. Now, this, this would have been exceedingly insulting if you worshipped another god. Because this is the equivalent of somebody coming up to you and saying, Yahweh is not wise. And you would go, whoa, 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 now, time out. I don't, mm, this is the one that I worship. And Paul is saying, everyone else is not wise. So to the only wise God be glory forevermore, aeon, through, what's the Greek word there? Dia, right? So Jesus is known through the prophetic writings, and glory forevermore comes to God through Jesus Christ. And then he finishes with Amen. amen. That's right. I'll tell you what Amen means. And we need to be careful how we use this word. I'm going to, this is awkward, telling Baptists to be careful how we use the word Amen. Uh, the word Amen means firm. That's your first blank. It means firm. This is a solid teaching. It means your second blank is trustworthy. And we use this of a lot of things that we really shouldn't. Um, I have brothers and sisters that I am friends with that only would ever say amen after the words of Scripture are read because that is what is firm and trustworthy 
all the time. Now, I, I would say that you could have a broader definition than that. Uh, there are good, solid summaries and uh, condensing statements that can describe Scripture that are more than just the actual words of the text, but be very careful when we say those words are firm, those words are trustworthy, because that means something. Uh, the Scripture talks to us about every word that we utter will be what? You know, we'll give an account for this, right? I mean, the, the words matter here in this way. All right, so I want you to go back and I want you to read 25 through 27 again for me. And then I want you to tell me which words are repeated. So read first and then tell. I made you uh, write down a blank for one of them. So, like, you really ought to get one of them. Sean, what's the easy answer? Through, yes. Jesus Christ, yes. According. According, yes. God, yes. There's one more. Now. Now. And this is one of the things that I love about how Paul finishes this book. It's technically a letter. I have a hard time calling it a letter. You've never written anybody a letter that was 16 chapters long, right? And if you did, you should have called it a book and gotten a publisher. So, like, it's pretty much a book. Um, He says there's something to do now. So now, after all of this theology... After all of the wrath, after all of the righteousness, after all of the freedom, after all of trying to figure out this relationship between Jews and Gentiles, after fleshing out what the righteousness looks like, after Paul has poured out his heart to his friends, those that are with him and those that are not with him, now God, through Jesus Christ, according to the Scriptures, now. There is something for us to do. I think one of the most amazing things about this book for me uh, has been watching the complexity, and I don't want to get into next week's lesson, but watching the complexity of Paul's argument unfold and how that in every single part there's something that is relevant for us today. Right? So if you look at verse 25, now to him who is able to strengthen you. So Amy shared with me a quote from her commentary from Hughes. God can make us strong and steadfast in any circumstance. Have you had a few of those, Amy? Just a few. And has he failed you yet? Nope, not yet. According to my favorite word in actually this text is the word my. In verse 25. According to my gospel. This is, this is ownership of your message. This is, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am associating myself with it. Um, We have a tendency sometimes to apologize or make excuses. And you can hear this in your tone when you talk about certain parts of the Bible. Well, you know, we, um, mm, yeah, all right, let's talk about the gospel. 
And no, no, like it's, it's all true. It's all firm. It's all trustworthy. Own that. Proclaim that. And don't apologize for that. God never calls us to apologize for his word. Ever. Amen. Like, I was waiting for one. I was just going to say it again if nobody did. But. <clears throat> so he, he is able to strengthen you, Romans, according to Paul's gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, who, is he writing to a group of saved people or a group of lost people? A group of saved people. So read this from the perspective of he's writing this to save people. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Jesus Christ and the gospel is for the saved too. So when you come in this building and you hear a message about the gospel, don't go, oh no, that again. If you have a problem... With the preaching of the gospel, the problem is not on the side of the equation of the gospel. It is on the problem of the side of the equation of us. Does this make sense? Like We should crave the preaching of the gospel because this is how God strengthens us. Because when we hear the gospel, we, hear, we are reminded of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the overcoming of our Savior. And it is a good thing. So according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings. So I have a question in my notes. I don't know if I left it in yours. But how many times did we go back and see the Old Testament, how it was used to back up Paul's argument in Rome? Did he mention the Old Testament a time or two? It's like, oh my goodness. Will you just it's like, stop being ADHD with the scripture for like five minutes and just stay put. But he's, he's drawing and he's drawing and he's drawing and he's drawing. And one of the things that I love is that God used all those years of him memorizing the Old Testament and learning how to use it in the wrong way. He took what others meant for evil and turned it for good. So if you grew up in a church that taught you the Bible, be thankful to God for that. And if you grew up in a church that taught you the Bible in a legalistic way, who did not intend to have it displayed in a way that you understand now, be thankful to God for that. Because he will take what he planted and he will use it for his glory. And I say, amen. It is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. All right, so let's sum this thing up. Has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So here's a quote from uh, my first commentary I ever read was Ironside on Nehemiah. And uh, Sean got Ironside for Romans. It says, God made known what had been in his heart from eternity, that from all nations, Jews and Gentiles, he would redeem and take out an elect company who would, by the Spirit's baptism, be formed into one body to be associated with Christ in the most intimate relationship likened in Ephesians 5 to that of husband and wife or head and body not only now but through all the ages to come. I think Ironside had his own little doxology right there. (laughs) To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I'm going to show you a picture and I showed you this picture last January 15th, 
2017. So this was a few months ago. Does anybody remember this picture? When we talked about the head and the hands and the heart and how these three things work together. You'll see this again in a couple of weeks. But one of the things that we do, and you, I, I firmly believe you can start from a lot of different perspectives. I think Paul starts here with his Romans letter. I think he starts and he appeals to their heads by teaching them good doctrine and he encourages them to learn good solid doctrine. And this knowledge is going to drive them to do something with it. Because he has asked them over and over and over and over to be partners with him in the spreading and the sharing of the gospel. To support those that are working in the ministry. To encourage them. To get their hands involved. And what you find when you get your hands involved is that your heart will follow. Even if you even if you're not like, yeah, I don't, I've been asked to do this. I'm not really sure. And then you see what God does and it's amazing things. And we get this passion that then will fuel our desire to go and to learn and to do and to be love and to learn and to do. And it's this beautiful, beautiful process. Now, for years, what I taught was learning and serving. And it was just this. And then I had a conversation with Sandy Zinson right there in the, that doorway, and he said, Jim, your equation is wrong. Now, when you tell a mathematician their equation is wrong, you have their attention. He said, you're missing the heart because God calls us to passionately engage. He does not say, love the Lord your God with all your head and all your hands. There is more than that. Get your heart involved because your heart will fuel these other things even when... You're tired at times. So, application point number one. Good doctrine will influence good behavior. No, no, scratch behavior. Works. Works. I'm not into behavior modification. Okay? Don't put behavior, but works. So good doctrine to good works is going to lead to what does Paul do in 16, 25 through 27? Praise and glory to God. There you go. Orthopathy leads to orthodoxy, leads to orthopraxy. And if you're not familiar with these terms, orthopathy, orthodoxy, and orthopraxy, they're never used. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Don't get hung up in that. So what do we do with that? Well, I'm going to tell you, I think you probably ought to praise God for Romans. Amen. I think that's probably a good thing. Amen. Sorry, every time I look at you, I'm not looking for an amen now, but no, I, I do appreciate true. it. It's I do true. appreciate it, yes. Yeah, it's a, that's a firm, trustworthy document, right? You pull Romans out of the New Testament, it's still really good, but... But there's some cohesive, clear theology that takes and boils the ocean down to 16 beautiful chapters of, wow. Right? So good doctrine leads to good, good works, leads to glory to God. Uh, number two for application, salvation has been made known to us. I'm going to slide that in as often as I can, <clears throat> just because I think it's fantastic. So make salvation known to others. 
This is the serve part. And then number three, faith brings about what? What does our text say? Faith brings about what? Obedience, that's right. A disobedient Christian is an oxymoron. Faith brings about obedience. That's where the heart comes in because... It is. You You just figured out that my application was this, right? Well, yes. yeah, because in, in, you look at the parables where yeah, it yeah. talks about the soil, you know, you're building the house. That's right. It covers the first two, but it's always that comes later, which yep. fuels the cycle. That's exactly right. He sums up so many of his teachings in this last three verses. It's incredible. So faith brings about obedience. So what do you think of number three is? Obey. Trust and obey. Yeah, this is... Because I don't know that there's another to be happy in Jesus except to trust in him. Awesome. You may have heard this. Yes. And, and to, to that, I would say, praise God that somebody from a very young age taught you those words. That you can think back and go, yeah, you know what? It really is not a lot more complicated than trusting and obeying. Now, <clears throat> would someone like to tell me what time it is? Is this odd? Okay. Because I want to talk about your homework. We're not really done at 9.35. Come on, guys. You know me better than this. What does your homework say? Don't be folding up and putting away. What does it say? All right, Doug's got it out. So you got two things for homework. You ready? So uh, y'all remember the video that I showed... Uh, about this is about that. Uh, the guy who read that, who was the narrator in the video, reads Romans, but he doesn't read it. He personalizes his delivery of the entire book, and it is incredibly powerful. It takes about 55, 57 minutes to watch, um, and I would strongly encourage that you do strongly encourage. I think I actually put a link to this on the Roman Sunday School page earlier in the year. It's, it is outstandingly amazing. Um, and then second, I want you to read Romans this week. And I'm really serious about this. Because it would be a shame if we have spent an entire year studying this and you missed an opportunity to actually read the book. It will take you about 40 minutes to do so. And I would strongly encourage you to do it in one sitting. Like, start and just go all the way through. And what you will find is that no matter how many lessons that you attended, you will go, wait, that was in there? (laughs) Every single time I do this, I probably read Romans, I don't know, 40 or 50 times before we started this series in 2017. And I haven't read it as many times this year, probably eight or ten times, uh, as I probably should have, teaching it to you over and over and over again. But uh, every single time I read this book, it is, how can it be new every single time? I do not understand this. I do not have an equation that represents how it is new every single time. But this is what your homework is. 
Now, those of you that have been with me on the last Sunday of a year know that sometimes I get silly with things on the last Sunday of the year. And if you come back into class next Sunday and you have done these two things, I will have something waiting on you. And I promise you, you will enjoy it. So, I'm not a good salesman, but I can just tell you, I promise you, you will enjoy it if you have done these two things. And if you have happened to pay attention to some really good stuff that we have been going over and over and over and over again this year, and can make a hundred on the test, what do we call this gathering? School. Sunday school, yes. What happens on the last day of a series? and. That's a final exam, baby. That's right. And the final exam is in Greek. All right. Some of you are like, what? Hang on. Time out. It's this, this, these really awkward smiles. Like, I think I'm supposed to smile, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. Yeah, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> no, seriously, I've already written it. I'm already done with next week's Sunday school lesson. I don't know that that's ever happened. <laughs> But here's what I need you to do. I need you to watch Andrew Wilson's recording of this. I want you to read through Romans. And then there's a little bit of verbiage there at the bottom of that page that says what? Send feedback to Jim by Wednesday. Okay? So for those of you that do this and come in Sunday morning and tell me, hey, I did both of those things and I sent you feedback, I'm going to have something for you. Okay? So with that, I'm going to give you a couple extra minutes today to look at your weekly update because this is a good opportunity to go through and whittle a little bit because some of you wrote some things on here a few weeks or months ago and they need to be updated. So take a moment to update those. Take a moment to pray over those. And if you have updates, please write legibly or find the person at the table who can and make updates. Like some of you are like me, and your chicken scratch is hard for Miss Darla to read. So. Or I might whittle them for you. Or you might, Miss Darla might just whittle for you, yes. Awesome. Excellent. So, thank you for coming to Sunday school today. Next week, I promise you, you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. After you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. Thanks, guys.